Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. Every day, decisions are made across Maine that impact our environment, and Mainers play a crucial role as we speak up for climate action, the clear air, clear water, and open spaces that we all love. Come sit down with advocates and experts to discuss some of the most important stories that you need to know, what lies ahead, and hear what you can do about it. Thanks for listening as we share our view from the front lines. Well, Happy New Year. Though 2021 was an exhausting year for all of us because of the ongoing pandemic, uh, one of the bright spots was the significant progress made here in Maine on climate action and a healthier environment. So the question we wanted to pose for the first this the first podcast episode of 2022 is how will Maine build on the exciting this exciting environmental legacy of the past couple of years? So I'm Colin Durant, NRCM's Advocacy Communications Director, and I'm here with our Advocacy Director, Pete Didesheim, to explore that question I posed and, and to get a preview of what NRCM's environmental pro- priorities will be at the State House for the year again. Uh, thanks for joining us again, Pete. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Glad to be here in 2022. I yes, absolutely, and I'll just make a note that Pete twisted my arm and got me to uh, jump in the ocean with him and his crew up in Brunswick yeah. for the polar plunge. It was a lot of fun. Although it I, was I, awesome. I, thanks for doing that. As I told the team, my daughter who attended was unimpressed with me because I was the last one in the ocean. So I've got to up my game next year. <laughs> um, All right, you've just made a commitment for next year. I know. I oh no, I'm locked in. <laughs> Well, yesterday, which was Wednesday, January 5th, lawmakers in Maine convened in Augusta at the State House to kick off the second session of the 130th legislature. This is a shorter session. It's expected to last only until about April. But Pete, let's start with a little context. What are you thinking about as you and our team head into this shorter second session? Sure. So, uh, I actually really like the ceremony of the opening day at the beginning of the legislative session. I have to say that it gives me a sense of pride and hope. It always does. The House and the Senate hadn't been together since July 19th, so this was their first time back. Many of them are close friends, and uh, they're eager to see each other. And I'm always really impressed with the commitment of Maine's citizen lawmakers to do the people's work. It is a huge commitment of time and energy. It's a sacrifice from their family lives. Uh, and it's really, a, it's really a public service because they're certainly not doing it for the money. Uh, they get only $10,800 for the first session, $7,700 for the second session. It's not a lot for the amount of effort and work that they put into it. And I love the tradition of the opening day. So I was watching it yesterday and you know the Speaker of the House and the Senate President are welcoming everyone back including the staff. There's lots of, of uh, applause. The first order of business is in each of the chambers is appointing a bipartisan group of legislators to deliver a message to the governor's office that they've assembled and that they're prepared to start their business. Both the House and the Senate also appoint a committee that travels to the other chamber to inform them that they've assembled and that they're ready to consider such businesses may come forward. It's always just kind of fun to watch that. And those committees then return back to the chambers and they're recognized by the speaker and the Senate president and and with a a message that's always along the lines of the chair hears the message and thanks the messenger. 
And there's a bunch of applause and, you know, <laughs> new legislators are accompanied to their seat for the first time. And in this case, there was a special election in Augusta for a retiring legislator. Uh, and Reagan La Rochelle was, was accompanied by the Sergeant of Arms to her seat in the House chamber and people clap and welcome her. And there were a dozen or so Colby students who were up in the, in the gallery that were recognized. And and they're recognized in a really nice formal way. All the lawmakers stand up and turn around and and uh, and are encourage encouraging them to rise and accept the greetings of the house. And then there's a whole bunch of applause. So all that formality and and ceremony happens. And then they got down to business, which mostly involved in their first day referring newly printed bills to committees. Uh, and that's where a lot of the work will be done for the next two months with public hearings. It's all very upbeat, but um, I do have to say my hopes for this session are a little bit tempered by three challenges. First, the continued disruptions, as you mentioned, of the pandemic. Because of rising COVID cases, the House and Senate are only going to meet twice as full chambers uh, this month, um, this week, and again on January 26th. Uh, that might be when the state of the state is delivered by the governor. Um, and all the public hearings can be done by Zoom, and this has pros and cons. It's much more difficult for the lawmakers to um, communicate with each other and develop relationships and share ideas. It's harder for the public and for people like us to connect with lawmakers. So those disruptions are challenging. Second, uh, this is an election year and election year politics always complicate the legislative process. The governor's up for election. All of the members of the House and Senate who are seeking re-election are up for, for uh, election this fall. So lawmakers tend to turn some issues unnecessarily into election issues, which is unfortunate. And legislators are also going to be pretty eager to finish up their work and get out on the campaigns. And then third, we've had a, a really successful few years. We've won on so many bills over the past few years that there are fewer new bills that need immediate attention. This is going to be a really big year for implementation of bills passed in 2020. The administration really needs to focus on making sure that those programs are rolled out effectively, um, and they're very important ones on LMF, on state park funding, on efficiency funding, on you know PFAS cleanup, on climate action, a bunch of rulemaking. So, so there's probably just not as big a list of bills to focus on, but despite these challenges, lawmakers do have 350 bills in front of them. They're scheduled to adjourn on April 20th. They're off to a fast start. Public hearings are happening this week. So we're off to the races. <laughs> That's for sure. And it's so much for lawmakers to digest. So little time. Um, and, you know, there's 350 bills, like you said, not not as many um, as as in a longer session. But can you tell us what NRCM's uh, priority, these priority bills that we're going to be paying attention to or that our advocacy team are going to be working on to help us build a healthier environment? Sure. Yeah. So we track uh, we track pretty much every bill that has anything to do with the environment. So we're paying attention to 50 bills out of those 350. And there's four that are our top priorities that we really are going to focus a lot of attention on, actually more than four, but these four positive bills. There's a bill to enhance our system of ecological reserves. About 20 years ago, uh, we helped pass a law to create um, ecological reserves, which are on public lands. They're areas that protect uh, some of our representative uh, plant and animal habitat types. We have 19 of them. 
these reserves, they're, they uh, cover 96,000 acres on Bureau of Parks and Land uh, land, some of, the, some of the nicest areas of public land in the state. Uh, but the bill that was adopted 20 years ago has a cap of 100,000 acres. So there's additional habitat types that are not represented in the system. So we want to um, uh, modify the existing law so that we can expand the ecological reserve system. A second bill is going to authorize the, it's a, it's a solar energy bill primarily, it's going to authorize the Public Utilities Commission to conduct two additional procurements of renewable energy, similar to successful procurements of low-cost grid-scale solar that were conducted in 2020. This bill is one of the most important bills we'll work on in connection with the Climate Action Plan this year. There's a third bill that close, would close a loophole in Maine's solid waste law that is allowing Maine to literally be a dumping ground for out-of-state waste at the state-owned Juniper Ridge landfill. The waste is mostly combustion and demolition debris trucked here daily from Massachusetts, about 16 tractor-trailer tractor trucks per day bringing this waste to Maine. It's slightly processed. In doing that, it becomes characterized in a different way and they dump it into a state-owned landfill. We want to close that loophole. Maine shouldn't be a dumping ground for out-of-state waste. And then fourth, there's a bill that uh, it's called a it's water reclassification. This bill would improve the level of protection for more than 800 miles of rivers and streams. It's been developed by the Department of Environmental Protection. It's required by the Federal Clean Water Act every three years to identify um, waters of this state that are performing at a higher level of of water quality um, so that their classification and level of protection be, can be um, increased. And um, this happens every three years, but this particular year, year happens to be the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. So it's particularly fitting to pass a bill that would improve the protection of really important stretches of rivers and streams across the state. So those are our kind of top four positive bills we'll be working on. Absolutely. But as always, um, we're going to have to fight some bills that are going to roll back mm -hmm. environmental protections. One of the most troubling I know that we're looking um, at is a bill that could hamstring the ability of scientists uh, that work at Maine's natural resources agencies to propose dam removals and other effective river restoration solutions. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that bill? Sure. Uh, this bill's been introduced. It's a bill title. We actually haven't seen the bill language. This is a new bill uh, that was introduced uh, by Senator Troy Jackson. And we believe its purpose would be to block state, state agencies from pursuing science-based solutions for restoring fish passage in Maine's rivers, such as the Kennebec, where four dams between Waterville and Skowhegan are a threat to the survival of endangered Atlantic salmon. So we are pretty sure that this is a bad bill. We're pretty sure it's a rollback. We are going to be paying close attention to it, and this is a bill that we'll need to defeat. Um, but on this bill and other bills that I'll mention, I just want to put in a little note that NRCM's website has a legislative bill tracking page that you'll that we keep up to date, and you can go to it and and look at the language and pull up our statements and see information about uh, what's ahead in terms of public hearings. So. This is one of those bills where as soon as it's printed, we'll post it and people will be able to see it and see our, our uh, reactions to it. So that's, um, that's kind of one of the bad bills that we'll be working on. 
Right. And thanks for the shout out um, to the bill tracking page. That's a really excellent resource for folks. Um, I'm pretty sure if you simply Google NRCM bill tracking, it, it'll come I think that up, works, but that'll take yeah, you right I to think it. it. I think it does work. Beth, <laughs> our colleague Beth is on it. She's always, yeah. always about the good Google search results. Um, so those are our top priority bills, both positive and negative. Um, I know you mentioned we're tracking more than 50 bills. So of those 50, are there any others that stand out um, that you want to uh, sort of quickly mention for people that are top of mind that, that, you, that you think people should just track or pay attention to? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's a really important tribal sovereignty bill. It's been pending before the state house for a couple of years now. This is a top priority for Maine tribes, the Wabanaki Alliance. Many environmental organizations, including NRCM, <clears throat> are working to pass this bill. The tribes are among Maine's, you know, the environmental community's most important partners. We've been working with the Penobscot Nation, the Passamaquoddies, uh, the um, Holden Band of the Micmacs, uh, on a number of water quality issues, stopping mines, uh, polluting mines. And we hope the administration and the tribes and the legislature will reach agreement this year to pass a bill that would provide full tribal sovereignty to uh, Maine's uh, native uh, tribes. Um, there's also a bill uh, that will create a statewide grant program for Maine public schools to support climate change education. Uh, we think that is deserving of support and we really want our schools to be helping equip um, our students and future residents and leaders uh, with the information they need to know to, to help address the climate crisis. There's a bill that uh, um, it's focused on electric vehicles, particularly uh, fleet vehicles um, owned by uh, the state and municipalities. Uh, that bill might be modified a bit to support some recommendations that are part of a clean transportation um, roadmap that was released by the administration in December. There's a, a bill dealing with PFAS. These are those so-called forever chemicals to close a loophole that allows compostable materials that are contaminated with PFAS to be spread on farmland. So um, that's a good bill, um, builds on a number of really important PFAS related bills passed last session. And then there's some legislative reports that are that are just coming back to the legislature. You know, two of them came this week, one dealing with uh, sea level rise. We hope that there'll be a, a bill directing the DEP to do some rulemaking to address some of the risks associated with, with the project science-based projections of sea level rise. There's also an interim report dealing with the future of our state's net energy billing program. Um, that report might be the might cause some, some funding to be put into the supplemental appropriations bill for further analysis of how best to optimize solar development in the state. And then there's also the consumer-owned utility. You know, I think most people know that there's a citizen initiative effort underway gathering signatures to put on the November 2022 ballot, um, the uh, consumer-owned utility option. And if enough signatures are gathered and it's certified by the Secretary of State, then that would come to the legislature first and they could enact it or send it out to the voters. And then there's finally just this big supplemental appropriations bill, which the governor will announce shortly after the state of the state. And that bill um, is an opportunity to potentially provide some additional funding for climate and clean energy and environmental related programs that we still think are important, but we'll still see. We haven't seen what the governor's proposal is yet. 
Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for that list. And talking about funding, um, you know, the action on climate clean energy it isn't just going to be at the state house. We're really hoping and looking to U.S. Congress to take action, um, hopefully on this version of the Build Back Better Act. The House passed it. It stalled in the Senate. Um, can you give us your take on where that stands right now? I mean, as as it stood, it was the largest would have been the largest, most significant climate action in U.S. history. So where's that at right now? That is the <laughs> $1.5 trillion question, I guess. <laughs> uh, build Back Better, It yes, we were hoping it was going to pass before Thanksgiving. We were hoping it was going to pass before Christmas. We were hoping it would pass before the new year. And then it hit a wall with Senator Manchin from West Virginia's opposition in December. Uh, we are hopeful that a revised bill can be created, passed by the House and Senate, sent to the president's desk. We hope by March or April at the latest. Uh, the current bill, as you mentioned, has critically important funding, more than $500 billion worth for climate action to address the climate crisis. Many of those programs are, are vital for Maine um, and any other, in all the other states. Uh, but here in Maine, particularly for the Climate Action Plan, there's some really important funding that we um, hope will be passed. Uh, we have seen some recent stories that suggest that Senator Manchin would be supportive of taking the pulling the climate provisions out of the larger Build Back Better and passing that bill um, on its own. Um, so we're hoping that something happens, uh, and it needs to happen. Um, we are way behind where we should be in addressing the climate crisis. Absolutely. It's something that, I mean, I, I, it's sort of unimaginable that Congress wouldn't act on this at, at this time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So fingers crossed on that. While we're talking about Congress on a sober note, we've, we should acknowledge <laughs> that we're recording this podcast on January 6th. That's, of course, the one-year anniversary of the deadly riot and insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Pete, I know you worked um, on Capitol Hill early on in your career, um, and I just wanted to ask you if you have any thoughts or reflections that you would like to share about this anniversary. Sure. Uh, my kind of heart just sinks just even thinking about it. Um, uh, January 6th is a dark stain in U.S. history, and will stay that way, just like other you know, days that will live in infamy. Um, I worked in the U.S. House of Representatives for six years as a staff member for a congressman uh, in the House and also for a, on a committee staff uh, with the, the House Science, Space and Technology Committee. And for me at that time, and for everyone, when I was there, the Capitol building is just a place of reverence. The rotunda would be filled with tourists who've traveled from all parts of the country to visit the citadel of our democracy. School choirs would assemble on the front steps to sing New citizens um, would look up in awe at the sculptures and the towering spaces. I walked in the tunnels where lawmakers on January 6th, one year ago, escaped from harm from the marauders. And, you know, I walked through the door where rioters smashed the window and broke into the Capitol, beating Capitol Police. I've stood in the chamber of the Senate and the House where rioters arrived with plans to harm and potentially kill members of the US Congress and possibly even the vice president. And it's, it's just such a shock. And, a, and those, those images are so haunting compared to the images that I have and cherish and so many people have of their visits to the US Capitol. So 
yes, January 6th um, is a dark day. Uh, and I have to say, I can only hope that it represents darkness before we move again toward the light that comes from lawmakers who truly are committed to public purpose and the people's business. Here in Maine, there really is still a level of collegiality and civility. I saw it this week among lawmakers who were of, you know, of all, you know, Democrats, Republicans, independents alike, who were assembling to do the people's business. And the legislative process here has begun. And I'm confident that we will work effectively with, with lawmakers, um, regardless of their, of their part partisan affiliation. And, um, and I think we will come together and pass bills that provide further protections for Maine's environment, which really are treasured to us all. And it is important that we stay focused on just how critically important our democratic process is mm -hmm. and to protect it from harm um, as we saw occur uh, a year ago. Fortunately, dem democracy um, won that day, but it was, um, it was a dark stain in U.S. history. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, you know, environmental protection, environmental justice, social equity, these are all things that depend on a healthy democracy, right? Absolutely. I was, was just reading a joint statement from a, a big group of national environmental groups, you know, calling on Congress to pass uh, voting rights legislation to protect democracy and you know, those are both intertwined. I know, I know. Absolutely. There should be that. no barriers to people <laughs> exercising their Getting right involved. to vote. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, well, Pete, thanks for that reflection. Um, and obviously our best to everybody who's thinking or impacted by that day. Um, and thanks once again, Pete, for speaking with us uh, about NRCM's yeah. work. Uh, I, you know, it's going to be a busy, quick, session, but I, I've got no doubt based on what I've learned about working with NRCM and in Maine that it, there's going to be a lot happening on the environment. So I really look forward to checking yep, with you. The adrenaline and, is starting to flow. Yeah, exactly. Checking <laughs> in with you <laughs> is some of our, I know, I mean, it never ends, right? Checking in right. with you and some of our other advocates throughout this winter, early spring to keep um, our members, our supporters, our listeners updated on how these priorities progress. So Thanks again, Pete. Happy New Year again. Happy and we'll New Year talk to you and all to all of our listeners. Yeah, same. Yes, exactly. Um, thanks again, Pete. Thanks for listening to Maine Environment Frontline Voices. If you enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe to our podcast or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and several other podcast listening apps. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of the Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work, visit nrcm.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at NRCM Environment.